It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Man, what a great day. We're going to wrap up this uh, second part of this sermon that turned out to be too long for one night and one day. Well, it, I could have done it, but probably would have run a lot of people off. So we, we decided to make it for two. So if you didn't catch the first part of this, I'll touch on it a little bit, but you can catch it online and uh, catch up on this whole sermon that I'm fixing to do. So last week we dealt with don't despise your birthright. Don't, don't get to a point to where you despise your birthright. And so in backtracking a little bit and understanding that, what we talked about was Esau and Jacob. They were two sons of Isaac. They were twins. And when they were born, Esau was considered the oldest. And he had, quote, the birthright. In their time, the birthright meant that you get double inheritance. You get the power of the family. You get to be the head of the family. You, you had, I mean, it was, it was a good deal. Uh, we talked a little bit about how in the prodigal son, we don't realize how the prodigal son got one-third, but the elder son who stayed home had two-thirds of his father's property, and it was his. His father split what was theirs and gave it to his son. So that meant the other son knew that all oh, this is mine. This is my mine. So the younger son's done got his stuff and gone. So understanding that he had all of that in his favor, and yet we, we learned a little bit last week about how he sold it. And we'll talk about that again because I need to walk through this distinction between how God eventually gets to a point to where he says, look, I hate Esau and I love Jacob. And yet we know that God says, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody to be lost. I don't want any. So how can God hate one and love another. How, how can God have this mindset where I just choose one, but I'm not going to choose you? How can he do that? Well, let's walk through the Bible a little bit, catch us up as we kind of are in the middle of this. And when we talked about the birthright, we don't want to sell that birthright because the birthright opens us up to what we're talking about today, our blessings. So let's just begin in Malachi 1, and we'll kind of scripturally get back to where we were. Malachi 1, verses 2 and 3. So these are scriptures about this story of the story of Jacob and Esau. And here's what it says. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. And laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals in the wilderness. So he's looking at them like a couple now. God in Malachi is kind of like, you're my bride. You're, you're my girl. And, and, he, and they're looking at him and they're having this conversation. So he, he looks at children of Israel and he says, I love you. And they're going through all these problems and all this trouble and all this. And they're like, well, how, do you, how can you say you love us? I mean, we got all these issues and we got all these problems. And, and look where you put us and look at the difficulty you put in our lives and everything. And, and he says, I'll show you how I loved you. He said, there used to be two girls in my life. I used to have two girlfriends, and I told one of them, you got to go. I don't want to see you no more. I don't want to be a part of you no more, and I picked you. Now, some of you understand this. If, you, if you're married or you had a girlfriend, have a girlfriend or whatever, let's just say you got a girlfriend, and, and, and all of a sudden your phone rings one day, and you look at it, and your girlfriend's like, who's calling you? Oh, it's my ex. I got to get this. And you start talking, and, 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 and she's like, you still got her number? 
Oh, yeah, well, she'll call me from time to time. We still talk about old stuff. and everything. How good is that going to go? I'm getting this look down front right here. It's like, no, it's not going to happen. You have to make a choice and a decision. And God said, let me tell you something. I made a choice. If you want to know how much I loved you, I dumped the other one. I told the other one, no, 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 we ain't, we ain't going, I ain't got your phone number no more. I don't want to know where you're hanging out. I don't want to know your address. I don't want to, don't be calling me no more. I'm choosing her. He said, that's how you know how much I love you, that I left every other thing and picked you. It would be the same way if God said, this is how you know I love Abraham, because I dumped everybody else in the world. I, I, there is, there, let's just say there was 200,000 people in the world when, when Abraham was born, 200,000 people in the world. And God said, you know what? I picked Abraham. Well, why did you pick him? Just because I wanted to. I picked him. Well, why didn't you pick that? None of your business. It's not important. I'm God. I can pick who I want. And he said, I picked him and that's it. And we can go that same route, whether it be you or me or whoever. God, God moves in our life and God does it and, and does it according to how he feels it needs to happen. And so with Esau, he says, I picked Jacob over Esau, but we would still wonder why. What is it that, that made the difference? Go with me to Romans 10, 9, verses 10 through 13. Let's dig a little more. Romans 9, verses 10 through 13 is what it says. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, not having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the... He said, let me explain to you. Paul goes into this, this writing, like answers this question for us. Why did God pick one over there? He said, before they were born, before either one had sinned, before anything had happened, why did God pick one over the other? And, he, and look at the person beside you and just smile and say, because God wanted to. That, that's, that's simply it. There, we get all this, well, why does God let this happen? Why does God let that happen? You get every person want to become an atheist, but it ain't because they don't believe in God. They can't figure God out because God won't do what they like. There's no such thing as an atheist. How do you know? Because they wouldn't have an argument with you about God. Let me tell you what I won't have an argument with you about. Pink, pink elephants. Hey, let's talk about pink elephants. No. We're just not even going to talk about it. You want to talk about God? Sure, I'll tell you why I don't believe in him. Will you tell me why you do believe in him? First, there has to be an understanding. We both believe in God. We, we're not talking pink elephants. We're talking God. The question is, does he do what I want him to do, or does he do it the way I want him to do it? Does he act the way I want him to act? Does he? Now, that determines whether I want to really follow him or not follow him. And so God, in his wisdom and his oversight and his ability, he looks and says, I made a choice and this is what I chose. And I chose Jacob over Esau. It was said to her, even before the boys were born, the older will serve the younger. And Jacob then from that moment on became Rebecca's heart. She understood, look, I don't, I'm not fighting God. God said, I don't care what's got to happen. I'm telling you how it's going to end up. The younger is going to be over the older. Now, you can fight me on this, and we can go through this for a while, or you can just get on my side. Rebecca decided to get on God's side. 
Now, apparently she would tell her husband Isaac, she would say, look, I'm telling you, this is what God spoke to me. Isaac didn't want to hear none of it. No, the oldest, the way it is, the way it is. We're not changing anything. And so as it is written, verse 13, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have So I want you to understand, it's not that he hates the person. He has simply made a choice based on on the characteristics that he feels by election gets me to where I want to go. There are qualities that I know that will be in Jacob. We could say the same thing about David and Saul. Saul was elected king. He was voted king. He was the tallest. He was this. God would later come back to Samuel and says, I've rejected Saul. Why? I mean, he's messed up. He'll, He'll apologize. No. Saul is not the right person, but I have found me someone with the right heart, and I will raise him up. Now, you can fight me on this, Samuel. In fact, he tells Samuel one time, how long are you going to cry? I love that. I mean, that, I, God comes down and talks to you that way when you're praying. You know you're getting serious. It's like you're sitting there, oh, God. It's like, and God's like, how long are you going to keep whining? I'm not changing my mind. And he tells Samuel, he says, how long are you going to cry over Saul? I done told you I'm getting rid of Saul. And David is going to be the king. So you just need to go ahead and get that oil and that horn and you need to walk on down to Jesse's and you need to anoint the guy I'm telling you to go anoint. So we can say it the same way. Let me go with me. Man, this stuff's good. Go with me to Hebrews now. Hebrews 12, verses 16 and 17. I can see all the excitement in your mouth. I can see it. We're going to get there. Lest there be any fornication or profane person like So there's some spirit about Esau. There's something that God knew even before they were born, when they were being formed in their mother's womb. There's a personality. There's something that Esau has in him. There's something that God saw. And this is the unique part about God. God jumps off the rails of our understanding at this point. There is every kind of denomination, theology, and and we can argue it if you want to ourselves. The fact is, I don't understand when it gets to the point that God can see the beginning and the end. I don't understand how in there he also allows free will. The best way it's ever been explained to me to try to get my mind around some of it, anybody ever videotaped a movie or a football game? Okay, let's say there's a football game coming on later tonight. And later tonight, this football game is coming on, and you're like, don't nobody tell me anything. I want to watch the game, and I want want to see who wins. And, And so the game's already been played. The game has already been played. You're driving home. Your f- cell phone, you look down. Somebody done text you. Eagles won. And when you get home, do you still watch the game? Yeah. Now, by watching the game and already knowing how it's going to end, are you messing with the free will of any of the players on the field? Did you make it happen? No, you're just outside of the time. And you can see it from a scale that most folks can't see it. Now, that's as close, as close and understanding. We can get into some real fun theology. If you ever want to drink some hot chocolate and stuff and you just want to talk, we'll just have fun. And we'll both walk away like, Ugh. But the fact is, is that that gives you an understanding that God's outside of this, of this realm that we think is normal time. He's already seeing beginning and end. And he, in that, he says, 
according to the election that I need to make sure that I'm going the route I want. This is the person that gives me the best place to go to where I need to be. And, and if I need to adjust something or change something or I need to raise up something along the way, I can step into time and fix it according to my will. Because I've already told you, I know it sounds crazy, but it don't matter who we elect. It doesn't matter if Russia bombs the next country. It doesn't matter. God's already wrote Revelations. So let that just soak into your mind while you watch CNN every week and you're trying to figure out how the world's going to end. Let me just go ahead and tell you, God wrote the book and told you how it was going to end. So you can just go ahead and skip all of it or you can do like God, just sit there and watch it and know exactly how it's going to end at the, at the, at the final time. God says, that's who I am. And he says, according to election, I chose Lest there be any fornication or profane person like Esau, who for a morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessings. Oh, so now there's blessings that people want, and that's what we're dealing with today. He was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Go with me to Hebrews 11 and 20. Here's what it says. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, let, let me see if I can give it to you this way. When, when we talk, up, talk about birthright, and we talked about that last week, when we talk about the birthright belonging to the firstborn and that being sold, anyone could receive a blessing. In, in the time of the patriarch, such blessings acted as a last will and testament. So when, when someone blessed somebody, it was their final statement on what was going to take place. It was them telling you, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen in your life. But to get to that place, to get to the level of blessing, I cannot sell my birthright. I cannot sell my identity in Christ. I cannot sell who I am. Or otherwise, I do not have the ability to be able to speak into things that are not yet taking place. Let me show it to you this way. If I sell my birthright, then I cannot walk up to a situation where someone needs to be healed. And therefore, because of what God has already spoken to me, and I have pulled from the word of God as my birthright, for signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. That's my birthright. I can lay hands upon the sick and they might, though they shall recover. That's my birthright. So I have my birthright given to me by God. Now you can believe it or not. Some of you done sold it a long time ago. Let's just be honest. You don't believe the Bible. You read it, but if it says you can lay hands on the sick and they, they'll recover, well, now, bro, a lot, you know it. That was written by a man and it's, I know. Let me just break it off for you. I actually believe the whole book. Yes. I believe where it says Holy Bible on the outside. I mean, I, I believe the whole thing. I mean, anything that's in there. I believe somebody got swallowed by a whale and spit out. You believe that? Oh, I believe it. I believe he preached like his pants were on fire a few days later and won a whole city to God. I believe it. I believe somebody threw three men into a fiery furnace and I believe they walked around and Jesus came down from glory and walked around with them and said, we got a, we got a party going on down here. I believe all of it. Yes, 
I believe Jesus raised the dead. I believe Jesus healed lepers. I believe Jesus walked on water. I believe he told the wind when to lay down and when to rise up. I believe everything that's in that book. And I believe the things that he promised and gave me as a birthright. You shall go. And if you touch any dead, taste any dead, it won't harm you. You shall cast out demons. You shall do these things. And you're going to be this person. Then because of my birthright, I walk into a situation where somebody needs healing. If I can find that faith in you, and I can find that I have a birthright too, Brother Lot, I'm not supposed to be sick. I'm not supposed to be here. Now, it doesn't mean that, that I'm just speaking, name it, claim it. God has to speak that into you. Let me make this very clear. This is not some name it, claim it. Oh, it's just, no, no. You had to search that out too. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she had to come to the knowledge, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I can be made whole. Jesus didn't walk around swinging his garment out all the time like, don't just touch me, it'll all go. No, no. She had to have faith. And when that faith met his faith, that's why in Matthew it says it this way, two touching anything and agreeing upon it, it shall be done unto them. Mm -hmm, Don't get me going. Because God got a lot of promises. God's done give me a lot of good stuff. He's done told me, Tim, you loaded, buddy. You are flat out. Don't go selling your stuff to, for nothing. Don't go selling your stuff for empty prompt. Don't go selling your stuff. You, you've been given some things through the kingdom of God. Don't just let it go. Don't give it away. Don't let the devil swindle you out of it. Don't let the world tell you it's not have value. You make sure you hang on to that. Because when you do, then we can walk in those situations. We can pray for the sick. We can speak to things that are not as though they are. We can watch God do things. But listen to me. you got to reclaim that birthright. The birthright's not the blessing. But the birthright's what gives you the confidence to speak what is your blessing. Does that make sense? Okay. So by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith. He knew who he was. Father Abraham had given son Isaac, this is who you are, son. Okay. And whatever you speak is going to have power too. Okay. So in his dying bed, he blessed both of his sons. Now, let's break down then what God saw in Esau or maybe sees in us that prevents us from living the life I'm describing. What's keeping us from having this? What is it about Esau and what is it about Jacob that are such a contrary that God says, i got to deal with this? Because whatever it is, I don't want Esau. I, 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 don't, I don't want whatever Esau had, I don't want it. And whatever Jacob possessed, even though he had issues and he had some blunders and some mess-ups and all this, there's something about Jacob that I want to make sure is in my life. So let's look at what they were. Let's go back to Genesis 25. It's where we were at a little bit last week. Genesis 25 and begin at verse 30 through 32. So number one, the problem with Esau that David didn't have a problem, but Esau did was this right here. Esau was always looking for the easy answer and a quick fix. Esau didn't mind the less cost of something as long as it got him by at the moment. And in your life, the enemy's the first thing he's going to offer you is something that is less, and he's going to see whether or not, since it's easy to get, 
will you take it? From the time you're little, if you're sitting in a desk and there's somebody that's kind of taking their test over there and you know that's the smart kid. That's the kid that, that just... And they just, by the blessing of God, ended up seated by you. And now, well, God, you blessed me. I just wish to use the blessing. You get to choose early in your life whether or not I'm going to try to choose an easier, quicker, hey, if I lie, I won't get caught for this and I won't get punished for this. It's a much easier, quicker way to get out of this problem. I mean, who wants to tell the truth and get grounded and get your phone taken? Well, you'd have to be dumb to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. If they catch you and they get you, then you can tear up and say, I know, I messed up. I'm sorry. Well, give me your phone. Huh, what? No, no. I I said I was sorry. It's much easier to work from that. In fact, I've gone to my youth groups and I've gone to different... And and this is understanding. I asked them point blank. I said, what bothers you more? What you did or whether you get caught? Whether we get caught. See, we've reached a society level to where as long as I can do it and get away with it, it must not have any consequences. Some of you sitting in this room... As long as I don't get caught, it don't matter. Oh, yeah. It matters. And what you don't realize is you're getting away with it on this level, but you're cutting your own throat on the other level. The enemy ain't that dumb. He understands what you're doing. And that's why he promotes. like, yeah, nobody, see, nobody, you, well, you're so smart. Man, you're so much smarter than them dumb people. Your parents ain't got no brains. They can't catch you. That ain't the point. He realizes you're savoring the more important one. And it's costing you. So Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with this same red stew for I am weary. Esau was hungry. But Esau's the older brother. He owns it all. He's got the, he's got the double portion coming. He's got the family heritage coming. He's going to be the leader of the family. The clan's going to always come to him. Everything runs through Esau. He is the elder brother. He's got it. And he comes home hungry one day, and he says, I am so hungry. And Jacob, knowing his personality, knowing how Esau is, he says, I'm going to get him. So I made his favorite stew. And when he come home from work one day, what's that smell? Oh, I was just sitting around the kitchen cooking today, and this just popped out of the pot. Man, that looks good. Want some? Oh, I look. Well, you probably ate that. Oh, I'm about to die. I mean, I'll die if I don't get something to eat soon. Really? You that bad? I am. For I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. He got a new name too. Some people get called addicted. Some people get called loser. Divorcee. There's a whole bunch of names. You get a whole bunch of them through life. If you, if you start looking at what the world says, they're going to give you a name. You're broken. You're bipolar. Oh, they got a name for you. 
They got medical names. They got street names. You're dumb. You're lazy. You're... And that day, his name got changed because his character started to show. Genesis 31. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright and, and, and I'll give you some as of this day. Let's keep reading. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. You know, there's nothing like, I've gone through three kids and watching a, watching a child, because every kid has to grow through this, and hopefully they grow through it before 15, 12. It's never good when they're 32. And you're still trying to, like, come on now, you're not dying. I'm like, you're 20-something years old. You're not dying. But you have go through the boyfriend, the girlfriends, you go through the problems, you go through the struggles, and, and, and you go through the somebody hurts your feelings, somebody talked about you, something happened, something went wrong. You hope they grow past this, but Esau is a grown man. And he still, when he gets hungry, when you go to lunch with him, every day at 12 o'clock, if you were to ask him, you hungry? I'm about to die. I'm about to die. Let's, we got to get, I can't, I'm about to go cross-eyed. I can't work no more. Anybody ever work with people like that? Kenneth, we ain't talking about you. He gets to a certain time, it's like, it, it, we got to go get something to eat. I will die. I can't. I'm fixed to fall over. This is Esau. And Jacob's watched him his whole life like, really? Dude. Okay. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what, what is a birthright to me if I'm dead? What's he going to do a dead man any good? He wasn't dying. Just hungry. He just had a lust. A lust of the flesh. A lust of the eyes. The pride of life. He just had a lust. But it overrode everything he knew. In his mind, he's thinking, I'm selling two-thirds of my inheritance. I'm selling everything that I am. But, but I, what good is it if I die? Hey, you need to dump that boyfriend because that boyfriend is no good. I'll die. Hey, you need to get rid of that girl. I'm telling you, she's not good for you. I'll die. Look, you need to study. You need to quit goofing off in school. You need these better grades. You, wanna, you don't want to be stuck here living in my garage the whole rest of your life. I'll die. I try studying. My eyes get tired. It's... Now, I'm just preaching to people. This is for video. Because this will go out and nobody, none of y'all, this is, I'm not talking about y'all. Y'all good. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what good is a birthright to me? Verse 33. Keep her moving. Verse 34. Yeah. And Jacob said, swear to me this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright. Look at the person beside you and say, he sold it. This is important. Because the number one thing is, this person is always looking for the easiest way. We're we struggling in church right now because of this. Let me tell you why churches are dying right now. Because the easiest way is since Corona and, and all the stuff that's come out, let's just stay home and watch it on TV. Let's just, let's just, we don't want to take a risk. We don't, no, what it really is, 
It takes energy to get up and go to church and worship God. Why do I need to do that? I can sit here and eat scrambled eggs and just watch it on. If I don't like Pastor Lot's preaching this morning, I'll turn it off halfway through and go and do something else. So in my life, I'm constantly trying to find in my nature an easier way. I'm trying to find an easier way to do life, an easier way to do church, an easier way to do God. And he said, what good is it? Verse 34, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils, and he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. We talked about that last week. You can't love both. You're going to choose one, and when you choose and you sell, you're going to hate one. That's why, that's why you can't cheat on your wife and still love her. What will happen is you'll start criticizing her, just degrading her, beating her up, making... Why? She's still faithful. She's still... No, but you're not acting like this. You're not doing like this. And so I see you through a different set of glasses, and I'll despise what I had. He even says that about money. In the New Testament, he says, you take money in your hand. He said, if that money's built for you and that money's built to make you happy and all this, he said, let me tell you something. You can't love me and money at the same time. You can't love me and mammon and still be happy. You're going to either hate one and love the other or you're going to cling to one and it's word, you're going to despise the other. So, number one. If you're in this room and you have an Esau spirit, it's going to show itself because you're always going to take the easy road. You're always going to take what's the easiest, most available. You're always going to take what's the easiest way out, path of least resistance. Even though you know in the Bible, and I love how people say this to me all the time, Pastor Law, you're really stepping on my toes. What I really want to say to them is, are you doing anything about it? Because if I'm just stepping on your toes, then you're just like Esau. It hurts for a moment, but for long, I am. I'm not, I'm not doing any more. So number two, Esau has this spirit so bad, if I had time to go between these verses, I would tell you he got married. Hey, Esau got married. Yeah, he married a gold girl down the road. Wasn't even, wasn't even of their line, wasn't of their beliefs, wasn't of their... Their culture wasn't of anything. He, just, just some old girl down the road. But he didn't have to go far. That fit his personality. You know, he just bumped into her. Like she'll do. She'll do. So he got married now. He's, he's all married and now he's, he's ready because now he, he's sold his birthright. He's done married and got his life up, but he still wants to be blessed. So number two, let me share number two with you. When you go down this path, you will come to the conclusion that you will know you're on it because it will always be someone or something else's fault for all the problems in your life. Let me tell you how I know I bump into these people. Well, bro, a lot, if I told you my story now, I, 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 my parents and my... I'm like, I ain't worried about your parents. I want to know what you did. Well, you know, I, it was, it was, I raised tough. I don't care nothing about that. You don't want to make a choice. Somewhere along the line, nobody held no gun to your head. Nobody made you. Somewhere along the line, you decided to do it even though you knew it wasn't good. Now, you may have given yourself an excuse. That's an Esau spirit. The Esau spirit says, I can get away with this because it really wasn't my fault and I still want my blessings anyway. 
Don't, don't matter what I did last night, it don't matter what I did last week, it doesn't matter who I hurt, no matter what I cheated here, and I did this, and I messed up over here, God still should bless me. Well, that's Esau. Here's what it says. Go with me to verse 26 in chapter 27. We'll skip over. Let me show it to you in a story. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near to me now and kiss me, my son. Now what has happened is, and man, this is such a long story. What's happened is, is Jake, Isaac has told Esau, Son, I'm old, I can't see. He's blind. He said, I can't see, but I, I need to bless you before I die. So go out and kill some venison and bring it in here and fix it the way you know I like it. And, and when I eat it and I feel good, I'm going to pour a blessing on you. And so he tells him, I'm gone, Dad. I'm, I'm fixing to go do it. Soon as he walks out, the problem is Rebecca's group hears about it. Remember who Rebecca loves? Jacob. Because God done told her, you can fight me if you want to, but this is the one that's going to be blessed. And she's done decided, I'm not fighting against God, I'm fighting with God. So as soon as she hears it, she gets Jacob, and, and she says, Jacob, go kill me a couple calves. Go, hey, we're going we're gonna to mix up some stew here. We're going to fix up some stuff. We're going to make it taste really like your dad likes it. I know how Esau makes his food. I'm, I'm the one that taught him. I'm the one that taught the boy how to cook. I, I, I'm going to show you how to do it. We're going to do it. Well, dad's going to know it ain't me. I don't talk like Esau. I mean, Esau like, yeah, this is going on. I'm like, what's going on? It, it's not going to work. <laughs> well, you're going to have to work on just that deeper voice. you got to get that deeper voice. Okay, I'll work on it. Well, what about, Lord, I'm, I don't have no hair on my arm, Mom. I'm kind of like, you know, I just don't have a lot of hair. Esau come out red, hairy. I mean, that dude come out tough and ugly. I mean, that's the only way to say it. That's what the Bible, the best way to say it. He come out red, hairy. I mean, he just come out, look like, I don't know if he's human or not. He just, he just, he just, he tough. And he'd been tough all his life. He was a hunter, a, a field person. You know, he said, I, I can't imitate him. We're going we're gonna, to, I got some of his old clothes. We're going to put your old clothes on him. And we're going to tape and, and wrap up and, and, and rope on some uh, skin and, and make it look like your old skin's tough and hairy and everything. And he said, you just walk in and talk like, talk like you saw it and, and carry the food in. And he does. He walks in and his dad's kind of like, even though he can't see, he's like, you kind of sound like Jacob. I'm not Jacob. <laughs> okay, get closer. And when he got closer... He could smell him. He said, okay, you smell like Esau. Is his clothes. And then he tells him, get closer. And he gets closer and he, and he, and he rubs his arms and stuff. You know, how, you know how old people do when they, I don't mean it ugly. Old people like to rub you. And they just, they're feeling for something. <laughs> but they can be talking to you. And you're like. <laughs> now, none of y'all are that old, but real, real old people do this. <laughs> Real, real old people. They'll just kind of... And so, Jacob and Esau, Jacob comes in, he's, he's, he lets him rub him. He's like, all right, this is where he gets to. He's trying to trick his dad. He said, and he came near and kissed him. He said, come close and kiss me. And the smell, the smell of his clothes. And he blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, 
My God give you, and he goes on to this blessing, the dew of the heaven, the fatness of the earth. And I mean, he pours out a blessing. Plenty of grain and, and wine. Let, let the people serve you. The nations bow down to you. Uh, be master over your brethren. Let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be anyone who curses you, and bless be anyone who blesses you. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, that Jacob had scarcely gone out of the tent and the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in. Here comes Esau with his food. Esau comes walking in. And he said, he also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat for his son's game, that thy soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said, who are you? That's not a good thing. Who are you? He said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted the game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before he came in. I blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. Remember I told you, blessings are what you're after. But you can't sell your birthright to get them. If you sell your birthright, someone will get your blessing. Then Esau heard the words of his father and he cried exceedingly, great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. And, and it, don't, it, don't it kind of sound bad? It almost sounds bad, like poor old Esau. Don't, it, don't we find people in the world when they give you your sad story? Well, you know, I've been through a lot and so-and-so cheated me out of this and so-and-so got me. And you're like, man, I just feel for them. Don't feel so bad. Don't feel so bad. Because what it is, is they have come out from under the covering and protection of the one who makes the, makes the difference. And they thought that they will make the difference themselves. I know that sounds hard and cold, but that's the way God works. That's the way He thinks. That's the way He operates. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried exceedingly. Next verse. But said, your brother came in, dece in, in deceit and has taken away your blessing. I love that. He didn't take it away. Remember what happened two chapters before? He sold it. That's right. Jacob and Esau, or Esau and Isaac, still trying to hold on to something that Esau done sold. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he supplanted me thus these two times. And I love the way he says this. He Read that out loud with me. He Now is that what happened? Number two, it will always be someone else's fault. And it will always be some circumstance that got you to where you are. But it's amazing to me that circumstances don't affect people who succeed or people who go ahead. or It's only the people who didn't make it. We love the stories of those people who, who, who didn't get looked at, didn't, didn't happen, didn't. The greatest football player of all time, Tom Brady, was drafted so far at the end of the draft. In the seventh, in the last sixth, seventh round, no, nobody, he, they, they listed the eight quarterbacks in front of him. 
And 22 years later, 20-something years later, we don't have a documentary on him about, well, you know, if I'd have just got a chance and just, just, you know, but people just kept getting in front of me and people just kept... No. Let me tell you the second thing you'll have to do to break the spirit of Esau in your life. Quit blaming somebody else for where you are. I'm trying to be as honest and as serious. I know it's easy to blame somebody else for where you are. Quit blaming someone else for where you are. This church is full of people that will help you get to where God's called you to get. You may have to walk away from some junk. You may have to let go of some dead stuff. But quit telling yourself, it's so-and-so's fault. Or it's so-and-so. Esau looked and he said, he took away my birthright. And now look, he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing? And Isaac gave him a small blessing. Little bitty blessing. But nothing compared to what he gave Jacob. Number three. The Esau spirit always is looking for the easy answer, the easy cost. The Esau spirit, when things aren't working well, always blames somebody instead of themselves. And the Esau spirit that God couldn't work with, the reason he said, I love Jacob and I hate Esau, is the fact that, go with me to Genesis 33. Genesis 33, verses 4 through 9. Now, just to give you the contrast in the two, Jacob goes through tough times. As soon as this is over, Esau says, I'm going to kill Jacob. Esau says, I, I'm telling you, if I next, as soon as my dad dies, the day we get through having his funeral, I'm killing Jacob. Just, just let everybody know. He was no secret. So his mother, Rebecca, she got his stuff together and said, son, you got to go. Now look, I can cook you some lentils and some stew, but I can't keep Esau off of you. He said he's going to kill you when you, you got to get out of here. But I want you to go to my brothers. And you would think that would be a good thing. He goes to the brothers, and when he gets to the brother, her brother's house, just so happened, he got two daughters. Look at him. The younger one was good looking. He was smitten in the moment he saw her, like, ooh, man, I'll work a few years for that. Well, his father, his, her father, his uncle, looks at him and says, hey, I'll let you marry that girl if you... Worked seven years for me. Seven years. Remember now, Esau's a go across the street and pick anything up off the corner and bring her back home. But Jacob has a spirit in him. It's different. He's like, seven years? All right, I'll work seven years to get that woman. Seven years he works. And the way their custom works is it's kind of like at night, the night of the thing, you can't see her, he can't see you. They send them into a room. She's supposed to be a, a virgin, and you know it's, it's a lot of stuff that goes on in that as far as like making sure she is and checking for blood, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing. But the fact is, two people go into a dark room, the next morning you wake up and you're married. <laughs> well, that's what happened. Jacob went in one door, the woman went in the other door, and come out the next morning like, we married. only problem was when son came up, he got the older sister. And she was nowhere near it pretty. Mm -mm. 
she was not as pretty. She's a wonderful girl, wonderful lady, but no, no, that ain't the one I want. He goes back to the father-in-law and says, look, something got messed up. Something got messed up. I got the wrong package. And, the, and, and his uncle tells me, he said, oh, I, I forgot to tell you, son. In our custom, the oldest has to get married before the youngest. But I tell you what I do, if you work seven more years, I give you the other one. So he worked 14 years to have two wives. That man was not a quitter. That man was not a quitter. That's the difference between him and Esau. Whereas Esau is looking for the easy, Jacob sees something and desires something and says, 14 years, that's okay, I'm willing to do four. Some of us can't stay in church three months. Oh, I don't know, I'll try God for a little while. You've been coming three weeks. Well, I've tried him. No, you haven't. Come back in three years. Come back in three years and talk to me about how God has or hasn't. I mean, just sell out. Jump in both feet. Don't live your life for him, everything you got. Come back in three years and tell me how bad God is. I'll tell you what will happen. You'll find out that God is good, that God will open doors that you can't open. You'll find out a God that will answer things you can't answer. So number three, verse four through nine. But Esau ran to meet him. Now this is the final meeting of Esau and Jacob. 20 years has passed. He got married to those two women. Had a bunch of kids. He had kids with her. He had kids with her. He had kids with her servant. He had kids with her servant. He's a busy man. God had blessed him. But God didn't say it's time to come home. He's coming home and he's worried. He's worried. I got to meet Esau, and Esau said the last time he, when he sees me ever again, he's killing me. And here I got my whole family, I got my flock, I got everything, and I'm going to go meet Esau. And before he gets there, he gets to a cave, and he says, "Y'all wait over here." And he goes back to that character thing. He goes back to that I'm not selling my birthright. I know what you said. My father blessed me, God. He put his hands on me and told me that nations would bow down to him. He said my brothers would serve me. He, he said that. He goes into a cave. An angel of the Lord, the Bible says, meets him there that time at night. And they begin to wrestle. Now, I, I've done some that you go two or three minutes. Our coach used to time it. Like, we're going to wrestle for three. We'd put out mats and he would do that. And he'd say, for three minutes, we're going to wrestle. You, can, you, you can't grab, you can't lock, but you just can wrestle. Man, after about two minutes, you're both laying on each other like, oh shit, last minute would hurry up and get over. You, you, you are whooped. You're fighting with all your strength. They're fighting with their strength. And he said, the Bible says, he wrestled with him all night long. I'm not going to let you go. Let me go. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not like Esau. I want my blessings. And when the morning was starting to come and the sun was coming up, he touches his thigh and makes his hip come out of socket. And there, limping and holding, he grabs hold. He says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me.
the angel of the Lord says, what's your name? My name's Jacob. No more. From this day forward, your name is Israel. One who wrestles with God. Now you've got to be a strong person to be able to say, I, I can wrestle with God. It's one thing to say, I serve the Lord, I, but I wrestle with Him. Me and Him just getting tussles. We just wrestle. He can't shake me off. He says, your name will be Israel. And he goes across to meet Esau. And this is the story. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now that's strange. It's been 20 years. Esau ought to still be mad. He ought to still be upset. He ought to, I mean, and he wept. In fact, they both wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and the children and he said, are these with you? So he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near and they and their children and bowed down and Leah, that was the first one, and also came near and her children and then he bowed down and then Joseph and Rachel, that was the young one he wanted to marry, came near and bowed down and Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I meet? And he said, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord, in your, in your favor. In other words, I've sent them letting you think I'm, I've changed. But Esau said, this is important, I have enough. The third quality of somebody in this room today who has an Esau spirit. You'll find a place in your life that's not where you want to be or where you believe you should be or where scripturally your life should be. But you'll come to the conclusion that what I got and what I ended up with, it's enough. I know, Brother Lot, I, I should, I, we should have a good marriage because we want our marriage to, to ra- be able to raise our children and then, then our children to be able to w- watch us. And, and when they grow up, my boys ought to be able to see our marriage and say, no, that's the kind of marriage I want. And, and my girls should raise up and, and say, that's the kind of husband and that's the, kind of, that's the marriage I want. That, but you know, Brother Lot, that's a lot of work. I mean, I'd have to, you've got to sacrifice. To, I mean, you don't know who I'm living with. My wife can sympathize. But the fact is, you've got to make a choice. Are you going to let go? That's the Esau spirit. Well, I'll just, whatever happens, I mean, Lord, it'll be all right. Either way, we'll have, you keep them one weekend, I'll keep them another, we'll raise them, and we'll, they'll turn out all right. It'll all be all right. Keep telling yourself that. That's Esau. Well, you know, Brother Lot, I, 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 it's, it's just, we're trying to live for the Lord. You know, I got stuff and you don't know where I was raised. And keep telling yourself that. That's Esau. Esau always finds a place to settle way below where he was called to be. And he looks at you and you ask them how their life is going. And this becomes the key phrase. Just listen when you listen to people. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How's you and your husband? We we all right. How the kids? They all right. How are you? How's 
I'm all right. The greatest weapon the enemy will ever have over your life is when he can get you to settle for what you have is enough. Esau, who should have been the one who had the 12 tribes. Esau, who was the one who should have been the father of a great nation. Esau, who should have been the one that Jacob would have come to and said, brother, whatever I can do. But Esau's personality said, now, that old woman I married, I got some kids. We making it. Let me give you some of our stuff. No, I'm good. More, more stuff would be more responsibility. More stuff would be more of a headache. How much money you got? Well, let me see. Can I help you? No, I'm, I'm all right. You can spend the rest of your life in Esau and miss out on the blessings of God. And not only the blessings, but the ability to be a blessing. Because what I'm sharing with you isn't just being blessed. Let me show you one more level. <laughs> this is where I want to live. It's the level where I ain't just blessed. I'm not just blessed, but I've become the blessing. If, if I had time, let me say it this way. Blessings come out of desired and a protected birthright. If you went to Genesis 47, what you would find is, you would find the blessings that Jacob will speak over the most powerful king in the world, Pharaoh. If you go to Genesis 48, you will find the blessings that Jacob will speak over Joseph's sons because he had two boys. And in fact, when he blesses them, the same thing happens because Joseph carries Jacob, Israel, into the room and says, bless my boys. And he says, put them in front of me. I'm not being blessed anymore. I'm the one who blesses. And when he brings them in front of him, Jacob does this. And he said, no, 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 Father. No, Father, you're putting, the, you're putting the wrong hand on the which one. He said, no, son. The younger will be stronger than the older. And I imagine in Jacob's mind, he's thinking to himself, don't you mess with what God said will happen. If God said that's the way it's going to go, you can fight all you want, son, but you better step back. If you go to the next chapter, it's the whole chapter of him blessing all 12 of his own children. That's how Genesis walks out. It walks in with God creating a world and making and creating and finding faithfulness and finding people who will hold to what He said. It walks out with those same people being the ones who's blessing the generation that's to come. I want to one day be able to do that with my kids. I want to be able to say where my journey is gone. In fact, my favorite verse in the whole book of Genesis is this. Go, go to... Genesis 47, and I think about, let's start at about verse 6. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell. This is Pharaoh. Dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent man among you, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. This is Pharaoh speaking about Joseph's 
Jacob's family. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob... I'm just a shepherd, but let me tell you something. What I speak, it carries weight. He brought his father, he blessed him, and here's what happens. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And I love this. And Jacob said, it's my favorite verse in Genesis. The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. That don't make no sense. The man's got huge flocks and huge family. He's got kids and grandkids. What's it? I'm going to share a secret with you. That when you get to this place, and I hope that you do in your life, you'll realize the pain walks right alongside the blessing. I got married. I had a vision years ago. I'm going to get married and have some kids. And man, it's going to be awesome and it's going to be a great life. And man, we, we just are going to rub noses every day. And man, we're just going to have fun and just cuddle up and eat brownies in the bed together. I mean, I had all these visions. She's going to make sweet tea every day and it's going to be sitting on the counter when I got home. How many of you have been alive long enough to realize life didn't turn out quite the way you had it planned? I did get married and I did meet the greatest girl in the world. I did have three kids and I have raised, I have given checks and, and sold things to keep them fed and, and thought of many a time like, Lord, what am I thinking? But if you ask me, well, tell me about your life, Tim. My life has been long. It's been hard. But it's been awesome. I wouldn't trade one thing for it. Every time a kid got sick and we prayed, every problem we walked through, every circumstance, every time we had to move where God told us, I wouldn't change it. That scripture sticks out because that's a man who's lived his whole life and he said, I'll tell you what I've done. I just held on to God and what's come out of it is a birthright. Yes. Yeah. And what's come out of it is the ability that I now get to bless. Notice what happens when he says this. They have been, they have not obtained the days and the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. Verse 10. So Jacob, I tell you what I am though. All these scars and scratches and all these bumps along the journey and all these ups and downs and all, it's taught me who I am. And it's taught me that if I do pray for somebody, you better know something's fixing to happen. It's been a hard journey to get there. But it's been worth every step. What God wants to do in your life is He wants your life blessed so you can be a blessing. That's right. But you cannot be like Esau to get there. The pain doesn't mean it's time to quit. The difficulty doesn't mean it's somebody else's fault. And just like Esau, you can't ever reach a point in your life where you said, God, that's enough. I wake up every day of my life, God, if you can squeeze any more juice out of this old lemon, 
Squeeze it one more time. I'm getting down to drops, Kenneth. And ain't used to when he squeezed me, it felt like juice coming out. Now it's like. <laughs> but he's still squeezing good stuff out. Will you stand? I guess the best way I can describe it is the story I tell all the time about the old man and his wife in the pickup truck. I don't remember which pastor or which preacher ever preached it, but whenever it was told many years ago, it became just a catalyst of my mind. I'm a pretty simple person. I'm, I'm not complicated. Give me a simple story. Make it simple. I, I, I can live with that. And the story is about Two young people who met one day. This old boy had a pickup. You know, girls like them pickups. And she liked pickups. She liked that boy. So he invited her to ride. They became girlfriend, boyfriend. Boy, he'd be riding down that old dusty road and she'd be right there beside him. You, you know how those sticks shift in the middle and you'd clutch it and tell her to shift. She, she'd shift it for him. Boy, she thought that was cool. They like two peas in a pod. They were right there together. She just cuddled up beside shifting the gears, and they were like, oh, it was life. They got married, started doing life, traveled a lot of roads. One day she looked up, and she's sitting there on the other side looking out the window. She looks over at him, and she says, what happened to us? And he just kind of looks surprised. She said, we used to be so close, we used to talk, we used to cuddle, we used to... What happened to us? This old man, he just looked over at her and he said, Baby, I haven't moved anywhere. I'm still sitting in the same spot. But all the things out the window has got your attention. And it's pushed you away. So ever so often God reminds me of that story when I feel like, well, God so-and-so and God this happened and you know, if it wasn't for so-and-so, if it wasn't for this taking place or, or it's so-and-so's fault or, or God, I, I don't want to do this no more. It's too hard. I want to quit. God says, Tim, where are you sitting you better check to him, make sure you hadn't slid over. Because the journey I got you on is, is going to carry you to some awesome places, not only to bless you, but for you to be a blessing. But you got to stay close to me, son. You'll miss it if you don't stay close to me. For whoever you are in this room today, as I give this altar call this morning, don't be an Esau. Don't look for the quickest, easiest way. Just do it God's way. Even if it's hard and you don't understand it, it don't feel fair at the moment, it feels like everybody's taking advantage of you. Do it anyway. Don't look for an easy out. Don't be an Esau. Don't, don't just 
At the time of your life, don't just say, you know what? I just don't care. It's good enough. Don't be an Esau. Be what God called you to be. One day you're going to wake up and I can't tell you how long, I can't tell you all you'll have to go through. I just tell you one day you're going to wake up and not only will you be blessed, but you'll be a blessing. That's His promise to His firstborn. Father, in this room today, there's someone who's who's grown comfortable where they are, but it's not the place they want to be. Maybe it's in a relationship with their kids. Maybe it's a relationship with their husband, their wife. And they're saying in their flesh, oh, this is, going, this is hard. But God, would you just for a moment give them that clear picture of them hugging that kid one day and holding them real close and blessing them and saying, God, what you blessed me with, will you pour on them? Would you let them see a picture of them as a couple sitting there one day watching their kid walk down the aisle and getting married and they're not sitting on different rows, they're sitting together. And the family can say, this is my mom and dad. How long have they been married? Years. Years. God, the enemy comes and he says, just be happy with what you can get. Just the little you get. But Father, you came and said, I want you to have life and have it in abundance. Don't let that young person right now settle for that boyfriend, girlfriend that's nowhere near the character they need to be running with. Don't let them settle or sell. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I don't want to be an Esau. I want to be an Israel. I understand what you're saying. You're not, you're not sugarcoating it. You re- make me realize it, it, it's a choice. It's a, and it's going to be a fight. But I want my destiny. I want my destination. I don't want to just end up where I end up. But I want to be where I'm supposed to be. If that's you in this room today, don't worry about who's beside you. Just step out from where you are. Come find you a place at this altar and say, God, make me a Jacob today. Give me a spirit that says I don't quit. Give me a spirit that says I'm not just going to look for an easy way. Give me a spirit that God says I'm not just going to live with just enough, but I want abundance. If you're in this place today, this is your moment. I'm not trying to force you. I'm just telling you, it's it's hard to make serious decisions. I made one when I was 18 years old. That was a hard decision. Hardest decision of my life. Changed everything about my life. But it was also the greatest decision of my life. Because it changed everything about my life. Father, whoever they are today, I pray that God, they will humble themselves 
call on the mighty name of the Lord and choose to follow you. Choose to follow you and pursue you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. If I can get some to come and pray with these as they just continue to play. You say, Pastor, I just like to come pray. I just feel God's prep. Then feel welcome to come. I'm going to pray us dismissal. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time. I hope this series is too, one long sermon. I hope you go home. If you can do anything for me, go back and read the book of Genesis. Read about Jacob and Esau. And decide which one you want to be. Study on your phone. Figure out where they both ended up. Esau, the Edomites, eventually were totally wiped out. Totally gone. That spirit that was in him was passed down through his people. It finally ate him up. Father, this morning, thank you for the presence that I feel in this place. For the lives that you're touching right now. Even those that are standing there that right now are making life decisions. I don't want to lose my marriage. I don't want to lose my kids. I'll fight. Brother Lot, I'll fight. Whatever it is they're deciding, I'm not giving up on my future. I'm not giving up on the dreams that God you put in my spirit. God, I speak that the thing, those things are done. Even though I can't see them, even though I haven't seen them yet, they are done. Because God, you already spoke it. You spoke that over them before. And I declare right now that even before they see it, before they enjoy it, that God, their spirit sees it and grabs hold. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey, you get a chance this week, just give that devil fits. You're dismissed.